The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your company about to be involved in a merger or acquisition? No matter what side of the deal you are on, this can be a daunting and very risky part of business. Welcome to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. On each show, you'll hear from top executives representing a variety of industries. We'll discuss the success stories, best practices, and lessons learned that can help you engineer a smooth transition that's good for your business and celebrated by your people. Now, here's your host, Sonia Weigel. Hello, and welcome to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. I'm your host, Sonia Weigel. Every week, we come together to discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly of mergers and acquisitions with guests who bring expertise and seasoned experience to the conversation. Think of this as your once-a-week consulting hour where you can gain powerful insights and knowledge about the successes, the failures, and the lessons learned through the wisdom and experience of guests that each week come from a variety of industries and represent all sides of a deal. As the title indicates, we'll focus on the people side of M&A, specifically culture, behaviors, human capital strategy, and processes. How often have we seen deals that are beautifully architected from a finance or legal perspective only to fall apart post-close because of culture clashes? My firm, SWC Management Consulting, works with companies every day to navigate the very important but often tricky world of organization transformation. We help our clients ensure these transformations are executed flawlessly and in a way that drives the success of their business. I love getting to work with our clients to bring tangible impact through human resources. Helping companies to harness their most important asset, their people, is why I do this. It is my hope to use this radio show as a platform to help many of you in the same way by hosting an interactive show that gives the listening audience access to the best minds in this business for the benefit of themselves and for their companies. So if during the conversation today you have a question or would like to contribute to the discussion, please feel free to call in. You can also reach me via email after the show if you like. Okay, let's get this conversation started. I have with me today Gregory Reynolds. He is the CEO and co-founder of GDI. I also have Dr. Deb Gordon, GDI's chief scientist. GDI was created by a team of business leaders and experts who saw a unique opportunity in the marketplace to develop human insights solutions that could truly assess, measure, and improve cultures of performance with empowered individuals. First, a little bit about Greg. Known in vast circles as one of the most accomplished and energetic entrepreneurs and thought leaders in diversity and inclusion, Greg Reynolds has dedicated more than 25 years to founding and building companies that curate, cultivate, and celebrate diverse talent. He's done this across a variety of industries, including insurance, technology, entertainment, finance, investment banking, utilities, and associations. 
Greg currently serves as CEO and president of the two companies he founded, both executive recruiting firm Hadley Reynolds and now GDI. By focusing on adding value at the nexus of executive search, talent identification and engagement, retention and human capital network building, his devotion to the importance of diversity and inclusion has led him to further evolving his business to ensure all candidates get a fair shake worldwide. With the global workplace becoming increasingly more diverse and multicultural, Greg is also focused on cultural fluency as a competitive advantage, a strategic priority, and a critical success factor for companies and their employees. At his core, Greg believes that the innovative solutions that GDI is creating will only help to better the workplace and ultimately change the world. Greg enjoys sharing his purpose and corporate mission with audiences nationwide via speaking engagements for companies, associations, and organizations. He has delivered speeches and panel discussions around this topic to the Council of Black Women and the League of Black Women's 2013 10th Annual Global Conference, just to name a few. Greg was educated at Hampton University. He is active in the Black Human Resources Network, the Urban League, the Human Rights Campaign, and the International Coaches Federation. Additionally, Greg served on the board of the Washington Halfway Home for Women as well as GLAAD. I'd also like to introduce to you Dr. Deb Gordon. Deb was awarded her doctorate in 1983 in psychology and statistics at the University of California, San Francisco, where she was appointed to an assistant professor role. She joined Fair Isaac Companies in 1988, where she developed statistical models for the financial industry, including behavioral models commonly used today. Deb has worked for more than 28 years, both in the financial industry and as a consultant for companies such as Deloitte & Touche, Alco Partners, and others. She worked at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau in the markets area responsible for consumer information, including scoring, data, credit reporting, and compliance. Deb was the lead author in the medical debt reporting, credit reporting white paper, which influenced changes in how medical debt is scored in the FICO 9 score. Deb's experience includes consumer risk management, fraud, credit risk, credit reporting, deposit risk, strategic and business development, and as a consultant for mergers and acquisitions. She's been a senior manager and thought leader with companies like Citigroup, FICO, Deloitte & Touche, Wells Fargo, and Fiserv, as well as a frequent conference presenter. Deb's commitment to cultural diversity and global inclusion began with the Girl Scouts by organizing and hosting Thinking Day for nearly 10 years. Thinking Day is a national Girl Scout program created to introduce and educate girls and their families to diversity and tolerance from many different cultures. Deb served as Vice President of American Women in Science for the California region and is a strong advocate for corporate cultural diversity programs in the financial industry. I am so honored and excited to have you both on the show today. Welcome to both of you. Good morning. Thank you, Sonia. So, Greg, first, tell us a little about GDI and what led you to start this business. Well, first, you know, Sonia, thank you for inviting Deb and I. Uh, this is truly an honor and a pleasure uh, to be on your show. I, I am more than happy to share with you um, about GDI, and it actually ties back uh, to my professional experience uh, through Hadley Reynolds. 
you see, for over 25 years, um, as you referenced earlier, <laughs> I, I have been working with organizations, helping them to bring uh, their most uh, – needed talent. You know, 25 years ago, I got my start placing uh, data scientists. Back then, they were called actuaries. And when I started, um, you know, I didn't look like um, corporate America. I was, you know, a person of color. I was young um, and also gay. And you really didn't see that representation. So in addition to focusing and on, or excuse me, in addition to focusing in on talent, I also recognized that I could make a difference in helping organizations diversify their leadership. So I created a subspecialty in diversity and inclusion. Over those 25 years, I was really focused on diversity. And the I part, the inclusion portion, um, was less of a focus, but it was actually what was really critical in the work that I was doing, because I always recognized that when I was successful, I didn't only impact an individual, but oftentimes their families, but at the level that I worked, it could impact a community, if not the world. Sure. And so, so it was critical to kind of move into the inclusion space. Um, about you know a year ago, with working with some of my clients and you know, kind of expressing some of the challenges around uh, diversity and inclusion, current programs that were out there, and recruitment, we saw an opportunity um, to think about this differently and said, you know, if we could create a measurement for diversity and inclusion, similar to like the FICO score or net promoter score, how might that changed the work that we're doing, giving people insights. So from there, um, we got great response uh, from senior talent officers and the like around this. And then it was like, oh, now we have to build it. <laughs> so luckily, you know, I ended up in a place where um, I had a resource to go to and Dr. Deb Gordon. And by speaking with Deb, she was like, that's an interesting idea. I think it can be done. I want to do it. And that started our journey uh, between Deb and I in our team in building the Human Insights Company, GDI, which you know, stands for Global Diversity, Inclusion, and Innovation. That's fantastic. And uh, I, I agree that uh, the marketplace certainly appreciates the value of something like inclusion and diversity when you can actually quantify it and, and bring some, some business metrics behind it. Um, so, Deb, tell me a little bit about uh, what drew you to GDI and, and uh, given your scientist's background, uh, how that applies to the way that you'd like to uh, deploy GDI into the marketplace. I'm, I am a big advocate of measurement. I do believe that, and, and we sort of coined the, the phrase at GDI that you can change what you can measure. What we've observed over the years is that diversity training in institutions has not significantly changed the attitudes of people and has not really helped the case to create an inclusive environment. So the object for me was really the challenge. Can I measure? Can I understand? Uh, and can I convey that information back to the industry in a tangible way that will allow them to, to track and measure improvement. 
So we tried a variety of experiments and came up with our first index, which is the tolerance index, uh, tolerance and empathy. That particular measurement, uh, Greg and our colleagues put online and we, we opened it up to the public, the public sector. And after receiving all of the data back, we created a model with over 1,200 variables, which works extremely well and is extremely reliable. That is really, um, <clears throat> that is really innovative and impressive when you think about something like employee engagement and uh, diversity and inclusion. Uh, most people see it as sort of pink, bubbly, squishy kind of thing. <laughs> and so putting some science behind it is, is uh, I, I think, the best way to begin to really impact the way businesses make decisions and the way that they engage their, their employees. Um, we're going tr- to take a quick break, but when we come back, I'd love to talk with you about your tagline a little more. You can change what you can measure. And talk about how, you know, the science behind that statement and what metrics drive the GDI platform and how we can apply those insights to the merger and acquisition industry. So let's take a a quick break now. Um, Thanks, everyone, for tuning in so far. We'll be right back with Gregory Reynolds, CEO and co-founder, and Dr. Deb Gordon, chief scientist of GDI. We'll be right back after this break. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Higher education faces lots of changes. If you are a student, educator, or in the workforce, you'll want to tune into Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Your host, Dave Goldberg, and his guests will explore the innovations that higher education adopts as it reinvents itself. The world of higher education is constantly changing. Stay on top and stay ahead of the rest. Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more. Old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace. Every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. 
You may also send an email to info at sweigelconsulting.com. Now, back to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. Welcome back, everybody. Let's get back to our discussion with Greg and with Deb. So, Deb, like I said, I was really intrigued by your company's tagline, you can change what you can measure, which is, um, I, you know, I happen to know so important as we um, influence uh, the people decisions that organizations make. Talk with us about the science behind the metrics that drive the GDI platform and how can those responsible for a merger or acquisition benefit from the measuring of human insights? Um, I'd be happy to. The the assessment that we developed first among the the, the, the pool of assessments we created uh, is what's called a thematic apperception test. Uh, this is a test that most people know uh, from the uh, sort of the fame of the Rorschach ink blots. And the reason we use this is because it taps into people's conscious and unconscious perceptions. Uh, we don't use inkblots. We use very complex images that are portrayed to the individual in, in a very short period of time. They have about six seconds to see the image. Then they respond in an objective way. Now, most uh, most thematic apperception tests are interpreted by psychologists. They will sit down and listen to what the person's saying, and they will sort of, you know, opine on on the uh, weaknesses, strengths, the um, the uh, fears that the individual is displaying. We've created an objective way that the respondent can respond. You know, can can re- re- react to the image. So they fill out a variety of adjectives. Those adjectives um, among the first part of the test, which is uh, a self-assessment. How do I react to the images? What am I seeing and feeling when I look at these complex images? Uh, It gives me a sense of the tolerance they have for various social conditions, uh, races, gender, religion, Uh, poverty, violence, social issues. So we get a sense of how the person responds as themselves. Now, the interesting twist on all of this is the person is then assigned a profile, another person, and they have a small amount of introduction as to what that other person is. They could be um, a 17-year-old African-American boy in inner-city Baltimore struggling with a single mother it could be a um, a uh, Muslim woman in, who you know walks the streets in a burqa, and so they're, they're different um, stereotypes, as it were, and they need to then take the test as if they were that person. And between the two sets of assessments, I can measure both their sense of tolerance to the complexity of the images. And I can measure their sense of empathy to others. That's fascinating. Um, and, I, and I know when it comes to unconscious bias, these are things that um, everyone has and uh, is entitled to. The idea is how do you identify what your biases are and do it in an objective way so that you can truly be informed in, in, in terms of your own behaviors. Um, with your experience in uh, mergers and acquisitions, 
how, how do you think that those that are responsible or find themselves in the center of a transaction, uh, how would they benefit from measuring these kinds of things? Part of it we see as a way to train people, to help involve people. So, for example, let me pick a hypothetical example. Um, we have multiple images that involve gender differences. So, if you have a male taking the test and they are um, demonstrating low scores, as it were, for women, um, they are in most likely demonstrating judgmental behavior towards women. Now, if, if you would let me, Sonia, I want to back up a bit and talk about what tolerance is and what judgment is. Tolerance is the ability to respect and appreciate others without necessarily being part of that in-group or being um, some, fully agreeing with what others' positions are. So it's, it's an open-mindedness. It's the ability to accept people for who they are. Judgment doesn't mean you're just assuming that someone is good or bad because they are, um, you know, a woman or because they are old or poor. It has to do with assessing the whole, assessing a person based on one or two minor attributes. And if I could share um, a personal story with you. Sure. Um, growing up, I had asthma. My brother and I both suffered with asthma. And my parents were chain smokers. So we lived on the floor about three feet high was a, a level of the smoke cloud in the house. So we mm. lived underneath the smoke cloud just to be able to breathe. And, and ironically, our parents made no association between smoking and asthma. <laughs> asthma is a trigger. <laughs> Uh, so I grew up thinking smokers were bad. Smokers invaded my space. They caused me to be sick. Uh, I didn't like smokers. I would walk across the street to get away from them. And I sort of checked them off my list. So I was assuming, making the judgmental assessment that this person was bad simply because they smoked. Now, fast forward to second semester undergraduate freshman and I have to take my first stat class it's a required class now stat is my field so it, it was an interesting uh, transition I love math but my professor would stand up in the class and he smoked in the classroom and he was a chain smoker and the kind that would light his next cigarette from the butt of the current cigarette that was still in his mouth Wow. So I sat in the back of the room and I had to go through this semester because this was the only stat teacher at the time that was going to teach this class. So it was painful for me. But this man was so phenomenal. And what he, he gave me was my future. He gave me the person I am today through his experience, through his his lectures, through his association. And he turned out to be one of those people in my life that I care the most about. So from that perspective, if I hadn't had the opportunity to get to know him and open my mind, I would never have become the person I am today. So judgment can be very harmful. 
So the object here, to go back to your question, is to let people know when they are judging, when they are assessing because of a few minor factors, and helping them at least be aware of it so they can open their mind and they can see the whole of the person and not just one aspect. That makes all the sense in the world. And you can see how, I, I can see from your story, how one's um, biases or you know judgments can be informed by your past. You know, the way that we see the world and the judgments that we make are based on our experiences in life. And the, the name of the game, so to speak, is not to allow those things to adversely impact our relationships or the way we interact um, with each other um, organizationally. You know, now um, in terms of diversity and inclusion, um, this is a topic and a, uh, that's been around for, for many, many years, but, you know, I think now it's clear that it's increasingly become more than just race or gender. And, and Greg, I know you've got some strong um, thoughts around the more contemporary notion of diversity and inclusion, how that relates to culture and, um, you know, and, and how that ties into the decisions we make, particularly in an M&A environment. Could you speak a little bit to that? Oh, I'd be happy to, uh, Sonia. You know, um, as Deb was just sharing, you know, her experience and our solution, um, I realized that we would be remiss if, you know, we didn't kind of share with you our own personal evolution with diversity and inclusion. Uh, when we started this process, and I said, you know, we were going to try to create the uh, FICO score for diversity and inclusion, um, it was really in that place that most people probably hear that word that uh, are those two words that it really is code for underrepresented populations. And that's how I had experienced it. But when you really think about inclusion, it means everyone, mm -hmm. both the majority and others. And our solution, when we uh, did our initial assessment, we were actually able to capture 100% of the voices. So for the first time, there is no longer an us versus them, men versus women, gays versus straights. Um, it's now everyone's voice. So now when we talk about diversity and inclusion, it truly is about everyone. And then to your earlier point of how this connects to mergers and acquisitions is that at GDI, we believe that where we're going with this, it's around how do you optimize culture for performance, revenue, and endurance of organizations. So in that discussion, there is the diversity and inclusion discussion, which is oftentimes had within human resources. But then there's that culture conversation, which is really about business performance. And that's really where we live. And I think that when we start um, like this dialogue, we almost have to create um, new definitions for what culture is and new definitions for diversity and inclusion. Uh, and with that, you know, Deb has a very um, interesting way of kind of uh, talking about diversity and inclusion as, you know, kind of like peanut butter and jelly, that it's something that, you know, we are all familiar with. It's oftentimes delivered uh, together, but they aren't the same thing. And so in that, 
when you start to talk about um, the impact of culture on mergers and acquisitions, I think that's a conversation that goes beyond how we traditionally think about culture into kind of the individuals that we have working within the enterprise. You know, what individuals are doing when no one is looking that ties into all of the other parts of where we say, like, you know, here's a company that um, is highly driven, that is a command and control, that there is this, you know, infrastructure around. Well, it's about the individuals. Yep. Yes. Then, and then we can look at, you know, inclusion as well at, you know, from that standpoint of like, where does inclusion really exist in not only the two separate organizations, but how do we bring it together into you know, one new enterprise? And so we have to think about how those teams come together. And then finally, where I've spent the last 25 years is really on the D side, you know, the diversity piece. So now let's really, you know, we can look at the individual and, you know, one organization might have done a great job in diversifying their leadership. And how are we going to think about those individuals during the transaction? You know, what positions are they going to have? You know, how are they going to rise to the top? So I think that's that, a, I'm sorry, that's that's a perfect place for us to take a quick break. Um, we're really starting to get into uh, the meat of this. And so looking forward to continuing the conversation um, around the role of diversity and inclusion in M&A. We'll just take a quick break right now. We'll be right back with Greg Reynolds and with Deb Gordon. Thanks for joining us so far. Look forward to talking to you after the break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you are in the sales field or maybe don't even know that you are, you need a plan to be successful. Every day we are engaged in business and don't even realize that it all comes down to sales. We all have something to say and need to motivate others to the same way of thinking. Sales Execution Optimization, the new SEO, is the show that gets you thinking and speaking whatever the product or service. Host Phil Bush will give you the tips you need to succeed. Listen every Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Savvy business owners, learn how auspicious timing can have a positive influence on business decisions and strategies. You can achieve your goals while creating a competitive edge in your given field. Tune into Illuminating Feng Shui with host Kathleen Zamansky, where classical feng shui and Chinese metaphysics work together to help you discover your strengths and use them at the right times. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you pursuing your passions in business? Is your purpose integrated into your brand? Are you telling your story? Building a thriving business stems from authentic communication that serves your audience, champions big ideas, and generates big impact. Learn how to grow your business in a more meaningful way by tuning into the Soul Shill Hour with host Francis Leary. It's more than business development. It's soul and inspiration, too. Listen live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
You are tuned in to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at sweigelconsulting.com. Now, back to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in today. We're in the midst of a fascinating conversation with Greg Reynolds and Deb Gordon of GDI. And we were just sort of talking about how do we apply all of these things specifically to the decisions that are made as part of uh, an M&A transaction. And um, one of the things that, Deb, you guys talk about at GDI is the, the idea of quantifying what you call optimal inclusion. What does that mean? And how do you do that? And how can an M&A transaction benefit from something called optimal inclusion? And, and that's a great question. Thank you, Sonia. The, the concept of inclusion, people usually see it as sort of uh, a single, you're either in or you're out. But in fact, there are, there are degrees. And inclusion is more complex than just being in the in-group or in the out, out of the in-group. Um, inclusion... Is a, is, has two facets to it. It can be, be feeling that you are um, appreciated, that you belong, and then you're part of the group uh, de- and defining whatever that group is uh, versus feeling that you are not, you're excluded. But beyond that, it's also a factor of how well you feel you are appreciated for your contribution, your uniqueness, um, your thought process and, and ideas versus if you are not. So inclusion has has sort of think of it as four quadrants in which you could you could be anywhere across uh, those two continuums. You could feel that you're completely excluded. You could feel that you are both included in the group and your your value, your uniqueness is appreciated by the group. But you can also feel excluded but but kept in your organization because you have unique um qualities skills uh you know things that they need but you are really not part of the group so you know you may be uh, particularly talented in one area and they keep you for that purpose but you've never really belonged to the group but the worst i believe the segment that uh, you don't want to be falling into is what I call assimilation, where you are you belong to the group, but only on the condition that you agree with either the dominant individuals in the group or with the philosophy of that particular group. So your uniqueness is sacrificed. And this is damaging not only to the morale of the individual, but it's damaging to the organization. Because your purpose for being there is to help lift and, and you know, create value from your contribution and your uniqueness. And you give that up as a part of this. So going to the term optimal inclusion, it's going to, be, it's going to vary by different organizations. You're going to have more assimilation in a command and control environment probably differentiation in a, a competitive environment. 
But what you're trying to do is find the best fit for that culture. Does does that answer your question, Sonia? Yes. No, that, that, that's good because as you think about the things that need to be considered from a cultural perspective, as you contemplate the idea of bringing two organizations together, or if after the organization has already been merged and you consider the, the uh, impact of two um, very different cultures or um, um, ways of thinking, the idea of coalescing around a, an optimal inclusion perhaps would help mitigate against some of the risks associated with bringing two cultures together that really don't fit. So I can see how something like that would really be beneficial in terms of a, a due diligence effort. Um, Greg, I know that you have had some really great experiences in this area, and I'm wondering if you can think of um, any particular cases where this was applied very well in a transaction um, within an organization or bringing two organizations together. Um, and and uh, you know, what have you seen that's, that's, that's gone well with this in the work that you've done over the last 25 years? Well, you know, it's interesting, uh, Sonia, uh, that you bring this up. I think that you know, when we look at you know, previous transactions that have occurred, um, there's a larger body of work that is documented around failures around culture for M&A uh, transactions than there really are around you know, true successes. Because I think that you know, when we're looking at culture as a metric before GDI, it was squishy. And it's a lot longer to distinguish what were the deciding factors. Because oftentimes, when you're looking at a transaction like this, it's, they're not really looking at how well the cultures would match. It's really around product, markets, things that are much more tangible. So I think that we can definitely discuss, you know, in hindsight, um, certain um, transactions that we go, oh, well, this was a natural solution, but it hasn't been in the past. And I think that's really the work that we're trying uh, to put forward and why GDI uh, differentiates itself. Um, fundamentally, and I, when uh, Deb was speaking, I, I, I'm constantly reminded that uh, GDI is on this path of education, that you know, when we start to think about uh, these tools and we talk about optimal inclusion or, you know, optimized culture, GDI has this foundation around objectivity, empirical measurement, where we come to these conversations not with our beliefs on what things should be, but really with a commitment of understanding what they are. Mm-hmm. So I think that now as we start to go into, you know, these discussions um, and looking at, you know, transactions, and that was something that was very exciting when we started doing this work, um, we had a, a banter about the acquisition of LinkedIn by um, Microsoft. And we were, you know, in the throes of uh, developing our initial assessment before, you know, the latest two that we have now. And I said to Deb, wow, you know, it would be really interesting if we were able uh, today to have Microsoft and LinkedIn as a client and that we could deploy the tolerance and empathy um, assessment on both organizations and not only be able to measure what, you know, the cultures are, 
but then to be able to look at where alignment occurs, but then even moving further into the transaction to help to distinguish where are kind of the optimal levels of inclusion in the conjoined organization. Also, in really thinking about how do, in these new teams, how would we then start to create new performance, you know, bringing them together, helping them, you know, individually kind of see what their individual inclusiveness is, but also what that team is. So I think that um, we can definitely look at some previous transactions, but really it's more for us what the possibilities are. Um, are with GDI. And I know that Deb and I had you know, kind of chatted a little bit about you know, some of uh, the transactions like Nextel and Sprint. And I'd love to kind of throw that over to Deb and you know, to kind of continue with this dialogue. Uh, thank you. What, one of the things I, I would like to sort of add before I jump in, I can talk a little bit about um, mergers and that have gone awry and others that have at one that particularly has been successful but but part of the problem is that companies start by creating principles they try to create value statements mission statements uh, and propagate that across the organization but they don't really know if that's the culture they've ended up with and that was one of the the concerns that I had in my own career was we'd be touting a particular um, culture that we want to, you know, profess. It could be a collaboration culture. It could be uh, a culture of innovation. But when you get down to the employee level, they may have a totally different view of it. And so you can't have necessarily the beginning by saying uh, the culture exists simply because you prescribe it exists. Uh, employees emulate their management. If their management isn't embracing that culture, they don't embrace the culture. It's just words and airtime. So let me give you some ideas about cultures that haven't worked, and then I'll talk about one that has. Nextel and Sprint is a classic example of a culture that um, started out with a great financial idea because they wanted to be able to have more market share um, they wanted to be able to have greater reach and be a better, you know, a better competitor with industry giants like AT&T and Verizon. But what they didn't look at was the differences in their, their, their ambient culture. And that was that Nextel was a very entrepreneurial, very intimative culture, which um, leveraged collaboration and open communication but Sprint was very command and control culture, which was very top-down and directed and very bureaucratic. Um, fundamentally, the value of that culture is based on those entrepreneurial, innovative individuals merging and becoming included across the, the combined organization, but instead they left. That, cult, that particular merger was a terrible example of, of managing a merger. The best example I can think of for corporate mergers is Disney and Pixar. They started out really looking at their culture. They had both a shared culture of excellence. Remember, Disney has the no chip paint concept 
which uh, resonates across the entire organization. They're very collaborative, very innovative. They care deeply about uh, the, the consumer's perspective. So the result of the two, Pixar shared all of those factors. And coming together, they became very collaborative out of the gate. So that was a, a wonderful example of understanding the culture up front and being able to leverage it. It is amazing how you can look back on a transaction and see what seems obvious at the time, right? And once it's once it's done, wow, you know, we have aligned cultures prior to engaging in the idea of this merger. And as a result, the final product is one of collaboration and uh, similar points of view in terms of how we work. And, uh, you know, I, I think perhaps, Greg, the reason why we don't have as many examples is because there probably aren't nearly as many of those as there are of the ones that have failed miserably, like, <laughs> as Deb had mentioned, uh, because they're not doing this work. So we'll take uh, just another break here and we'll pick up this conversation again in just a second and um, begin to uh, continue our discussion around what other best practices might be for those that are contemplating uh, a merger and acquisition and uh, want to take diversity and optimal inclusion in mind uh, as they go forward. So thanks again for tuning in, everyone, so far. And we'll be right back with Greg and Deb after this break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you are a small business owner or a creative freelancer in pretty much any field, you can't miss Let's Get Radical. Your hosts, Jody Paydar and Liz Gold, will help you redevelop your plans, policies, and practices to take a radical turn in order to achieve new success. They spotlight the latest in technology, attitudes, what others are doing, and what can help you. Tune in every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And let's get radical. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Do you find yourself working tirelessly to keep your business going? Are you finding out that you don't have time for family, friends, any kind of personal life whatsoever? It's time to stop feeling trapped by your business. Tune in to Reclaim Your Freedom with host Shirley Dalton. You'll hear from guests that will help you work on your business instead of constantly in your business and get your life back while the business keeps running and humming. Reclaim Your Freedom airs live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Thank you. 
You are tuned in to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions with Sonia Weigel. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at sweigelconsulting.com. Now, back to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, thanks again for joining us today. Um, we were talking about the idea of optimal inclusion and some corporate examples of success and failure. But I know, Deb and Greg, that with the GDI platform, you're able to measure quantifiably the uh, optimal inclusion and how that can impact teams in an M&A environment. And Deb, I'm wondering if you have a couple of quick examples of, of where you were able to do that and what the results were. Um, and yes, the um, I'm going to leave the uh, entity uh, anonymous for now, but we looked at various levels of the organization And one of the things that stood out very strongly in one particular business unit was that the employees, as a group, um, just among themselves, felt, you know, portrayed high inclusion. They felt very much like they belonged, they respected each other, but the manager, when put into that group, changed it to a, a feeling of assimilation. So they were very much dominated by that manager. Now, when you give the management assessment to the manager, you would you get the response that they believe they are creating a highly collaborative, highly, you know, co- uh, inclusive group, and and they're very proud of that effort that they're creating to create inclusion. But they're not a, they weren't aware that what they were creating was really assimilation. Hmm. That's interesting. And were you able to apply um, the the modeling and the GDI science to, to, to help generate that conclusion? Um, yes, as a matter of fact, that was the, the inclusion assessment that we've created. Okay. So we can look at every level of the organization from the C-suite all the way down to the operations, and we can see where we have these gaps where we have these sort of assumptions are being made that this is what you are experiencing, but this is, but, but then you can see what you really are doing and then work with the organization to be able to define ways to educate and change and enhance productivity because you can get to where you really want. And that's really useful uh, after the deal has closed and you are in integration mode trying to bring the two organizations together. I'm wondering if you can apply any of your assessments um, on the front end of a transaction to perhaps inform whether or not uh, the transaction should happen from a cultural perspective or, you know, if nothing else, what the extent of the gap is between um, the two two cultures, uh, where they are and, and where they need to be. Absolutely, Sonia, you can do that. And that, that is just another way we can apply the assessment. That's excellent. Um, well, you know, I, I like to think of this time with my guests as a uh, consulting hour. And so with that, I, I'd love to open it up to you, Greg, to 
if you've got some uh, some advice or counsel that you could give as it relates to inclusion and diversity in the M&A field, what should those that are contemplating a merger or an acquisition uh, or perhaps in the midst of one already, um, or maybe the deal has closed and they're trying to figure out how to how to integrate their cultures, what, what words of advice or what consultation could you give? You know, I would start off with this, that, um, you know, we're living in a world of empowered individuals that, you know, we now think of instead of employees, a workforce. And, you know, we are looking toward the future. And by 2030, uh, 50% of the workforce will be at will. Well, and so with that, I would really just want to say that, you know, inclusiveness may be a social construct, but it begins with, you know, a single individual's perspective, uh, their needs and their experiences, you know, and the work that we've been doing at GDI, you know, we're focused on those, you know, learned and often unconscious responses that when they're identified and directionally motivated, can achieve greater understanding and produce, you know, tolerance and results. And I think that when thinking about acquisitions uh, and mergers, that we have to really start to focus on the individual rather than the broader culture. And through that, we can start to see that, you know, say, for instance, as you were just mentioning, um, two cultures that maybe shouldn't come together. Well, within a culture there, you know, it's very diverse. And so there are going to be um, certain points within any transaction that really can be unified. And we can be, you know, and you can kind of think of this as kind of putting together a very complex meal. So, you know, going through this, I think that, you know, the work that we're doing at GDI will help with cultural mapping, with helping organizations get, you know, to inclusion, but also to the wellness of their um, employees around creating individual inclusiveness for highly performing teams. Yeah, I can see the the value of uh, being able to have those insights as you contemplate the idea of a, a merger or an acquisition, uh, but I love the way that you drill it down to the individual. I think that's new and innovative thinking in this field because you often think of the, the corporate culture um, uh, as the overall lens, but how do we you know, drill down and, and take full advantage of and utilize what individuals are bringing to the table and how can the diverse nature and inclusive nature of the variety of voices that are going to be included all the way through the organization, how can we bring those together in a way that's, that, that can be um, beneficial for the and, ultimate overall merging of the two? And that's really, you know, our commitment at GDI, um, helping organizations create a new co-accountability of development. So in the past, most organizations look at as their responsibility to develop uh, their talent toward an objective. With this new relationship that we have with our workforce, there has to be a co-accountability. So by GDI creating insights at the individual level around an individual's blind spot and predisposition to other, individuals can then be empowered to participate as you know, kind of a shared participant in the development of themselves toward the objectives of an organization. Because I've always said, you know, there are very few people that go and uh, accept a job and say, I don't want to fit in. 
Right. There are few people that, you know, are incentivized and said, I don't want to do a good job so that I won't, you know, get my bonus or I won't retain my position. It's really the blind spots, the blind spots of the individual, the blind spots of the organization, that these measurements and these insights, you know, that's why, you know, we move from just GDI's global diversity, inclusion, and innovation to a place right. of human insights, where the human that is. is this has been absolutely fascinating, and I, I feel like we've just um, just tipped the surface of this, so perhaps you guys will come back. But um, in the meantime, I just want to thank you both for being uh, with me here today, and uh, thank the listening audience for joining in as well. Um, join us here next week at the same time on the Business Channel on Voice America. Have a great day. Thanks for listening this week. You can tune in live to Beyond Financials, the people side of mergers and acquisitions, every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Please join your host, Sonia Weigel, again next week.